Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and poo-poo its preposterous adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. is kylie and here with me is julia hi everyone the two of us write for the fundamentals.com for fundamentally sound fandom analysis you can check out our website for geeky news reviews media uh and media news i'm just repeating myself also if anyone is going to be at clexicon and it hasn't happened yet you can stop by we're going to have a table there and a number of us are going to be on a number of panels very exciting uh, Julia's not going because she's a poop. And straight. Yeah, Paul. <laughs> There's going to be straight people there, just not. Oh, are there? Yeah. <laughs> they don't at like. Least, at least get four. Get gator at the, like, entrance and just stop you. Well, if nothing else, there's straight media creators there that are, like, trying to, you know, do right by their LGBT fans. And straight actors that play fem slash women anyway that's not what this podcast is about uh as the introduction indicated we do a lot of complaining about game of thrones here is it complaining it's, it's critiquing i would mm. say it's We're analyzing well because here's the thing julia and i uh started out wanting to like game of thrones a lot uh we mm. both really like we did but, even yeah i mean i started out loving it like i watched three seasons before I read the books or, or two and a half, I should say I caught up in the middle of season three. Um, and Julia read the books first, right? Um, I kind of read the first book while watching the first season. And the first season was good. Like yeah. let's call a napkin a napkin. <laughs> you have but, to stop yeah. doing that. <laughs> As time's gone on. You do it every single episode. I love it. It's okay. one of those classic Juliisms, just like it begins with an S and ends with an Xism. <laughs> Well, that one's actually funny. We have a lot of weird Juliisms that are taken directly from the show. Like, we could just say the word reasonable and then start giggling. (laughs) Anyway, as the show has gone on, uh, we've become less and less satisfied with it, not just Mm -hmm. as an adaptation, because it's hilariously, like, not an adaptation at this point, but just as a story in and of itself. Yeah. uh, We find it to be really offensive in its writing and even if you ignore that which you shouldn't have to ignore that like it doesn't make sense the character arc yeah it's kind of dumb the good news is that we finally got some actual critical pieces about the writing this year i mean before that there were critical pieces about like you know rape and stuff but like this year people are actually talking about how bad the writing is and it's still kind of a drop in the praise bucket but Mm -hmm. yay it was all centered around one episode. Mm-hmm. So what Joy and I do, mostly because n- other people don't really do this, and we, <laughs> we get value out of it. Like, let's be honest, we go we back and we watch the seasons plot line by plot line, because that really just shines a light on what Benny Off and Weiss are doing. And we get to spend and time together. Yeah, we enjoy doing that. So mm-hmm. this is our retrospective series. And 
so far we've already gone back and rewatched the Winterfell plotline, yes. starring Sansa and all her horrible siblings. And we were originally going to do um, the Johnny deadpan romance next, I think. That's Where like I- what we had been planning is that what but, we planned i kept forgetting what we planned yeah but like then joy and i both just wanted to do yeah i think just, Cheryl just like Larry. so we're gonna start dodging cherry bomb tomorrow so i yeah. guess that's when we finally made the decision i think we just needed some levity after wonderful honestly <laughs> um so for anyone who doesn't know let's go down the fandom nicknames because joy and i uh, don't view this as a adaptation mm-hmm. we try to like separate the characters on the show from the characters in the book to avoid the conflation 2k18 um and yeah the most common nicknames you're going to hear are cheryl which is Mm -hmm. our nickname for cersei lannister uh cheryl is a super mom with an edge yeah well she used to be a struggling super mom who took her kids to soccer named carol but then carol died and like her skin opened like an exoskeleton and cheryl emerged wearing battle armor and Cheryl doesn't have humanity anymore because she doesn't have children, at least mm. according to Benioff and Weiss. Yes, that's how anyway, it works. Anyway, her brother lover is Larry, Larry mm-hmm. Lannister. He's a little confused and befuddled at all But his times. love is so pure. His love is so pure. He's just trying to do the right thing. Could they, <laughs> they even interact with Euron? I mean, we don't really... He's like Eurovision. Yeah, <laughs> Euron Sparrow his- because he, he has an extremely funny resemblance to Jack Sparrow. Um... There's going to be Deadpan, so mm. she's uh, obviously Daenerys. It's the other queen that Cheryl is up against, and we will be calling her Deadpan because I don't think we can call her anything else. That's There's Johnny Cardboard. Johnny Johnny Cardboard. King yep, John Johnny Snow. Cardboard. <laughs> King of mouth breathing. <laughs> um, I don't know why you're so mean to mouth breathers. I'm a mouth breather. It's just like the way Kit Harrington plays it. He looks extra stupid. He looks like that all the time. I think he's just being connected. Cheryl and Larry have a brother named Tyrion, and he's Saint mm-hmm. Tyrion because he's never wrong. Although he's pretty wrong this season, actually, about a lot of things. I know. I, th- I guess we'll get into it a lot more in depth. But just like the way he's wrong, it's more still that he's so put upon by the world. I don't know. The really other characters that, like, we don't have a nickname for Kyburn, I don't think. No, I mean, he's kind of we, just like there. We call Zombie Gregor Zombie Gregor. Yeah. <laughs> Remember how they're not hiding who he is at all in any way, and he's just like this zombie who follows Cheryl around? I guess there's Pod the Rod and Brienne the Brute. I don't know. If we yeah. get to any other nicknames, we'll, we'll explain them to you as I mean, we get there. most of them are pretty self-explanatory. The only ones that really cause any confusion are Cheryl and Larry, I think. And that's just hive-minded. Like, we can't, we can't not call them Cheryl and that's, Larry. That's who they are. Like, when we write our super serious DOT <laughs> essays and we have to call them by the real names, it's just weird. You can find all our nicknames, by the way, in the book mm-hmm. slo- Snob Glossary. I will link it. We update it every season, too, so we have, like, a past, like, book six and book five uh, glossary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot of fun things in there. We call King's Landing Cheryl's Landing because it's yes. where Cheryl rules. Um, mm-hmm. We, we Casterly Castle instead of Casterly <laughs> yes, Rock. Because it's not Casterly. It's just not Casterly Rock. Olena's, Sometimes um, we call it Lightish like Color, the Dowager Sastris. The Dowager <laughs> Because it's so clearly She's based on it. a character from another successful TV show who I will not name. Which also went downhill pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so this, what we are doing right now, uh, we are recording this together. We're basically going to talk through the plot line. We'll give you a high-level recap. And we're going to talk through it so that we can mm-hmm. plan out our analysis. 
So we haven't written the retrospective yet. However, when you're going to be listening to this, the retrospective will already be out, which we will link. And uh, yeah, this is just our raw conversation. So, uh-huh. Good good luck. Okay, so um, the first episode is called Dragonstone. Meaningful. Such an, yeah, such an appropriate name for this episode. And uh, the first... The first cherry scene is uh, Cheryl is just kind of hanging out in like the impluvium of whatever castle in whatever city in Croatia they're filming in. And this guy is painting a map of Weisteros on the floor. Floor map. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's the biggest map ever. It's the biggest deal ever. This floor map is just, we, we cannot get over how awesome this floor map is. And the painter... Mr. Croatian Extra mm-hmm. has this like amazing look on his face that's just kind of like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, why is this my life? Anyway, uh, Larry comes in and they, they kind of have this weird conversation. Like, first of all, he dismisses the painter and then steps on the wet paint. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So like last time we saw Cherry Bomb or Cherry Bomb is something else. Last time we saw Cherry, mm-hmm. um, Larry had ship. just returned from the twins to arrive in Cheryl's Landing have uh, to see the blown-up sept, and he walked into Cheryl's coronation. Yes, and he had a look on his face that was hungry or angry. Yeah, we, we, we spent an entire year trying to analyze what that look on his face meant, and we weren't able to do it. But Turns out it wasn't really it was, anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was nothing, because he's not angry with her. He's, he's fine. Yeah. He's like just like, yo, how you doing, Cheryl? You're the queen now, apparently. Yeah, and she's um she's kind of stressing out because mm-hmm. they have a lot of enemies, and she knows that Tyrion was made hand to Daenerys somehow. Mm-hmm. I guess she was. I guess she watched the show. Uh, she's on my stress Twitter. Yeah, face- and apparently, apparently everyone dead gets fan- names from Facebook. Twitter, dead fans so. coming to Westeros with an mm-hmm. armada. Yes, which is a thing. Um, That's a and word. They're both like they're both like wow. I bet they're gonna land on Dragonstone. No one's there right now. <laughs> Hey guys, here's an idea. <laughs> you want to go take it? Like it's right there. You want to like real quick send the garrison there? They literally did not leave the door locked. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I think at one point Cheryl asks Larry, "Like, are you scared of me?" He's like, "Should mm-hmm. I be?" No, not really. I don't know. They're, I can't tell if they're being like kinky or if they're just being weird. Like, oh, remember that time I took the throne, even though you're older. That even though you're like my brother, and yeah, there's male preference primogeniture. I mean, I think I think we can all agree that she just kind of became queen because she happened to be there. Yeah, I mean, who else is going to be queen? One thing that's not challenged this entire season is her succession. No, which is logically what would have been challenged. Anyway, yeah. Cheryl is kind of like really extra right now. And she walks around the floor map swinging her arms going, enemies to the north. Yes, yeah, she enemies explicates to the all their enemies who all happen to be women because women on top you. Sense of the whore, Danny the cunt. <laughs> Alaria and her brood of bitches. <laughs> and she called, and Elena too. She calls Elena something. I, I forget. I, mm. it's, like, it's just a misogynistic like trifecta. Every single quadrifecta gendered yeah quad yeah quadrifecta every single gendered slur you can think of mm-hmm. um and but Larry's I'm, like, I'm still upset about her calling sansa whore sansa who's had like literally zero consensual sexual partners in her entire life but okay fine yeah that's a good point anyway, I mean, and it's Larry's not the like, first go. time she's called sansa whore 
It's just like, what? Why not call her the bitch? Thanks. Exactly. And Alaria the whore. Alaria was hypersexualized at least. <laughs> Be consistent with your slut shaming, Cheryl. Anyway, Larry is like really concerned because mm-hmm. Cheryl blew up the Tyrell Alliance. Like literally. Literally. But then I, so he's like, well, you know, I think people might think Deadpan is going to win. So since she's so overpowered. So, yeah. you know, if the Reachmen think that she's going to win, they're going to side with her, basically, is what his stance is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Cheryl's like, well, no, they're all racist. So yeah. they won't well, like the Dothraki. Yeah. That's she's, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if it's like the acting or the direction or just the writing, but like, she's so like smug. It's really weird. She's just like, oh, I'm so sure about this. And you're just like, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, yeah. uh, then she talks about how they're going to build a strong dynasty. And Larry's like, well, everyone's dead. Yeah. She's like, a all dynasty our for us. Dead, and you blew up our uncle. <laughs> a dynasty for us, then. Um, okay. Okay, Cheryl. You said that with such conviction, I almost believe it. But what we find out is that, like, Cheryl's actually trying to hide from talking about Tommen, and mm-hmm. Larry's trying to, like, get her to mourn, and she's like, no, I, I can't so do this. So how long has it been since their son committed suicide? A week? Maybe? That's a guess. I mean, well, how long does it take Deadpan to cross the narrow sea? How long does it take for word to reach them from the twins that Walder Frey has died? Longer than it takes word to reach the twins that John is king of the north. Yeah. Mm. But less time than it takes word to reach the twins that Cheryl blew everyone up. Yeah. Okay, so during the course of this conversation, Cheryl also has uh, starts another theme for this entire season, mainly she listened when Tywin talked and Larry didn't. Yeah, she she really calls him stupid a lot this yeah, season. Yeah, and she's, she's like Tywin reborn. Frankly, I would be a little frustrated him with this point, too. Like, he just fucks everything up and is kind of... He needs her to tell her him everything, so... I kind of get why she's frustrated with him at this point. And he was being a little mansplaining in this conversation. A little bit. She's trying to be like, you can't trust the Ironborn. She's like, well, we don't really have choices. And speaking of the Ironborn, who has arrived with this entire giant fleet? Eurovision. You're on, you're on Greyjoy or you're on Sparrow or Jack Greyjoy. <laughs> I don't, he's. He's a ridiculous person. Like a He's ridiculous so person. Stupid. Um no, but literally like it cuts to a shot of the entire Iron Fleet arriving. I have a question. What's your question? Why didn't he just attack Cheryl's landing and like take it over? Because he wanted to marry Cheryl. Why? I mean, he doesn't seem like a dude who cares too much about like legitimizing his succession since he's also, like just le- a force of chaos. Because he learned Mm-hmm. His niece and nephew sided with Deadpan, so now he's mad at her and he wants to take her down. So he's siding with her enemies. But why does he need to do that? I mean, he's got this, like, giant fleet. Like, like as you recall, they cut down all the trees in all of the Iron Islands to build Julia, this fleet. Julia, he needs the Lannisters and he wants to be king of Westeros in addition to the Iron Islands? Okay, but why can't he just attack Cheryl's Landing and take it over? He's a hooligan. That's not an answer in any way. He's a hooligan. That does not Um, answer my question. So Larry is like, oh, I don't know. These Ironborn aren't good fighters. What? (laughs) I mean, I guess his point is that, like, they have really good They're pirates. They're opportunists. They're not, like, you know, honorable warriors Um, like Larry. And he's like, why would we even, like, trust them? And Charles like, dude, like, I'm going to offer him to marry me. We need an alliance. We need people to help. Also, um, we should point out that her Kingsguard is wearing... Her Queen's Guard is wearing like space Nazi uniforms. 
They look like space Nazis. And their helmets look like penis heads. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, just- they look like the Lannister uh, guard helmets. I, do they have like the same face flappy things that the Lannister helmets have? Maybe, but they're silver. Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. it just looks every everything about it's just very phallic and spacey. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me of the space balls costumes, honestly. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it reminds me of. Anyway, we cut into the throne room where Captain Jack Sparrow has officially arrived. He's wearing this like punk leather jacket. Yeah, and eyeliner. Eyeliner. <laughs> <laughs> And it opens with him just being like, oh, my niece and nephew betrayed me and took all my boats. How could this happen to me? And it's like, well, dude, like, this is a good way to start off an alliance. (laughs) He's just, like, fetching. And Cheryl's just, like, kind of sitting there, like, on the Iron Throne trying to look dignified. And Larry's just kind of standing there next to her just being all like, why am I here? Yeah, and he's being an idiot. Yeah. But then he says things like, we rightful monarchs need to, you know, shore up our place on the throne, I guess, which is kind of clever. Like, it's kind of funny. I guess. But if he's such a rightful monarch, why doesn't he just take over the city with his giant fleet? And Larry's, like, pissed off. He's like, hey, remember that time you guys rebelled and I put you down? He's like, yeah, it's okay. The Iron Islands are getting overcrowded. What? He's, like, Euron is just, like, the one who's his one consistent character trait is that he's super into Kingslaying, so fine. Um... And then, you know, Euron, for some reason, seems like he's the one trying to close the deal on the marriage proposal, because apparently he needs Cheryl. And Cheryl's like, no, we can't trust you. But then why should you invite them here, Cheryl? And then he's like, oh, it's fine. I'm going to get you a gift. And then he turns around and walks out. Uh Uh-huh. Scene. Scene. End scene. Cheryl, you had to convince him. What are you doing? How did she do this? How did she I think she, like, nagged him. I guess. <laughs> Why did he bring his entire fleet? But then brought nobody else with him in the throne room. He was like all by himself. So Spitching. weird. Okay, yeah. so that brings us to the, that's the season opener for them. Um, oh, and we didn't talk about how we like made fun of Larry for only having one hand and they they had all these like uh, NZW like um, reaction shots. They're just like the best reaction shots. Was, yeah, there's so many of them, and they're all they're all like him, just looking like a sad puppy. Like, I also, I also want to say, and you guys are probably going to get this as mm-hmm. we go through the recap, but like when you just focus on this plot line, you realize how sort of ancillary Larry, Larry and Cheryl are to everything. Like they just kind of pop up and react as needed and pop down. But the main padding that D and D did was all like Tyrion and Danny. So. Like, we'll keep describing, but things are going to start to become really disjointed really fast. Mm-hmm. Just as a warning. Because I was watching, and I was like, how are we already here? Like, how is this happening? There's anyway. Just, it's like all padding. That's the problem with this season, I think. Oh, my God. And last season was all padding. <laughs> At least this was only seven episodes of it instead mm-hmm. of ten. Okay. All right. Next Home. episode. Home. So, Cheryl's back in the throne room. She likes it there. Well, she's the queen. Let her Good be. Point. Let her be on the throne. Good point. And I think Larry's next to her because that's what he does. That's what he always does now. Who's her hand? Kyburn. Yes. Okay. Why not? He's there, right? Yes. He's on the other side. On the other. So side she she's meeting with the Tyrell Bannerman, and yeah. she is basically just fear mongering by being like the Dothraki are, you know, these foreign savages, and uh, the dragons are going to burn everyone, just like the Mad King burned everyone. <sighs> Um, which, like, it's a good idea to play up xenophobia, 
mm-hmm. in this situation. Like, I, I don't see what other move she has. However, <laughs> isn't every point she's making a little bit undercut by the fact that she just blew up the sept? Officially, that was a tragic accident, I think, even though everybody, including Hotbuy, knows she did it. Like, literally everyone knows she intended to blow them up. She <laughs> killed the Tyrells. She killed the entire Faith. All of them. Every single Everyone one. Everyone knows this. So then she's like, oh no, Danny's gonna burn things. It's like, wow, we can't have a leader <laughs> And this that is after the, what the Lannisters did to the Riverlands too. Um, maybe this crowd doesn't care about them and they're actually more concerned about Eris and that he was mean to some rich people. But like, in terms of like burning things, I think the Lannisters have won. <laughs> yeah, I mean like, Gregor and the horrors he inflicted on the Riverlands. Yeah. Um, Although, was that even in the show? I don't know. Who remembers? The Brotherhood with Banners exists, so I guess something happened in the Riverlands. I mean, remember in the second season when Arya was hanging out with Tywin? That was all about the Riverlands, right? Joey, you remember last year when they said that the Blackwoods and the Malisters are rebelling, but then we never see anything about that. They just said it. Like, oh, okay. I guess this is happening. I think Larry fixed that. Sure. Anyway, so there are two extremely important and crucial to the plot in every way people... At this meeting. Yes, there's Billy Bones. <laughs> <laughs> and his biceps of justice. It's a new actor for Dickon. Dickon mm-hmm. was played Dickon by Charlie, the guy who, um, Sam's uh, brother. Yes, so Dickon last year had been played by the guy who played um, McLagan in Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Cormac McLagan. And so he was played by a relatively young-looking dude who is supposed to be younger than Sam. Yeah. And he was replaced with the actor who played Billy Bones on Black Sails, which is a much, 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 much better show. And you yes. should watch it. He was like even 35. with the first season stubbles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's 35. Like, he looks his like muscles, an adult, for sure. His muscles are, like, bulging. Oh, he's so hot. Oh, my God. Yeah. And That's then, like uh, distracted. His dad, Randall. Randall he's played by uh, the same actor. Randall Wildling hater Tarly. Yeah. He's like a xenophobe, but he's apparently a competent warrior. Good for him. Yeah, so he's like, I'm concerned about the dragons. And yes. Kyburn's like, don't worry, I ha- I'm i working on a solution. Yes, because if you recall, Deadpan has three dragons that she used to burn some ships in Marine, or one sample ship or something, I don't know. Anyway, then Randall just kind of like storms out for no reason. So Larry I think the runs meeting's after- over. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dismissed everyone. <laughs> so then Larry runs after him. And he's like, oh, hi, Rickon, right? And Billy Bones is like, it's Dickon. And Larry's like, oh, okay. And the audience presumably laughs. Maybe. Mm. Um, so he's kind of like, hey, are you going to side with us? And Randall's all, I don't know. <laughs> she just blew up. <laughs> no, he's just like, well, I don't know, because I'm sworn to Olena Tyrell, which, no, you're not, but okay. I mean, if Cheryl's the queen, I guess Olena's the head of House Tyrell now. She's uh, a lot of red wine. What is happening? I, don't know. I mean, there's no one else left, I guess. Mega's dead Poor. too. <laughs> Every single Terrell cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <blew up. laughs> oh man. Poor uh who's who's our default cousin? Mega, I, I just to? mentioned her. Oh yeah. She's also dead. She was one of the scantily clad reach ladies on the side. <laughs> she was so fleshed out. At least Lady Crane escaped that fate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so um, he says first he says if my queen summons me i answer her call and then he says but no i'm sworn to house Terrell. and larry but then he's just also like, like i've heard what happens to if yeah. you don't answer cheryl's calls but then i'm sworn to house Terrell. and it's like but, but then, you, like 
Okay, so showing up is basically, like, choosing a side, first of all. Yeah, because, like, if you say, hey, I'm not going to pledge to your house, she could just arrest him, you know, like, here. Yeah. He wouldn't be able to do very much. Just saying. Uh, anyway, Larry kind of talks him into siding with them because of xenophobia, to a degree, and also because he offers him... The wardenship of the South. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he's supposed to be more swayed by xenophobia, which is his one consistent characterization <laughs> trait, or the the promotion. Um, mm. But uh, that, yep, <laughs> he agrees. Mm. He's like, okay. Then we get the all important scene. <laughs> I mean, can Sorry. we talk about? Can we talk a little bit about the way that uh, the Jerry are characterizing like this whole like Terrell thing? What do you mean? Like, just... Because Larry says at one point, he's just like, oh, Elena will do anything for revenge. As though I'm that like, Cheryl. Re- that, like, as though that revenge weren't entirely reasonable in every way at this point. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, she did literally kill her entire family. Just yeah. saying. And everything the Lannisters have done has been out of revenge. Yeah. So... <laughs> I just... I, I, like... It's it's like Larry is claiming the moral high ground because she teamed up with Deadpan, who's coming with a foreign army, right? Right, and because Deadpan has, like, weapons of mass destruction, basically. Yeah. But, like, how are they arguing that Cheryl is in any way, like, a less immoral option? Cheryl's not foreign, <laughs> Joya. Yes? Yes, Kylie? I said Cheryl isn't foreign. You, you must have cut off. Cheryl isn't foreign. Neither is Elena. No, but but Danny's bringing foreign army with her, so therefore Cheryl's better. What army does Cheryl have again? Just like the like the Lannister army. Just the Lannister army, okay. And what army does Deadpan have? The Dothraki. Uh huh. And the Unsullied. Uh huh. And the dragons. Uh huh. And yeah, half the Ironborn. The half the Ironborn. Mm hmm. How many, how many of the Reachmen does he, like, how many of the Reachmen does Oh, the Tyrells, yeah. Yeah, but the, the Randalls go with the Lannisters. So some of the Reachmen. Some of the Reachmen, like half the Reachmen, mm-hmm. let's say. Okay. What's your point? I just, my point is that I'm, like, I'm not sure well, how Larry convinced him. <laughs> is Cheryl, like, maybe, I mean, Cheryl's definitely supposed to be a hypocrite, I know that. Yeah. But especially because the season ends with her being like, we're going to bring in the Golden Company. So it's like, um, okay, yeah, like that thing that you were, arguing against like a foreign army you're just you're gonna i mean i know the golden company historically is made up of you know the people who broke up yeah. yeah yeah like i get it but I'm, I'm just saying like you know it's an army from overseas isn't that what she was you know complaining about this whole time i know that was never really brought up as anything actually the way the way i read this mm-hmm. is that randall tarley is a little bit ambitious and he's pretty xenophobic so that's why he's convinced yeah but like foreign savages and eunuchs come on now Okay, he doesn't like savages, and he probably likes penises. Not like in a gay way, but in a toxic masculine way. I don't know. I think he likes more zumber. That's none of my business. I'm just saying he's kind of infected with patriarchy. He is, but he's also in love with umber because he hates <laughs> wildlings. <laughs> okay, not that that wasn't a super fun head cannon. <laughs> I think the reach retrospective last year the the um horn fair retrospective last year was maybe the most fun one that we had because mm-hmm. we had that we had 
Tiffany Tarley and her imaginary <laughs> sisters and all her bedrooms. Like, it was just great. Okay. Anyway, so we, we cut to Kyburn and Cheryl in the basement. Did you ever actually watch this scene? Nope. Can you summarize it? <laughs> well, there's, absolutely, there's nothing to summarize. So Cheryl is walking with Kyburn and he's holding a torch in the basement. And the basement is full of all these, like, dragon skulls. And they exposit a little bit about the dragon skulls, about how they used to be in the throne room when the Targaryens were there, but then Robert put them them down in the basement because they made him feel small. And so she's like, yo, Kyburn, how are we going to deal with these dragons? And he's just like, I have this, like, giant crossbow or whatever it's called, a scorpion. It's basically this, like... big arrow. Yeah, it's like a giant... It's a giant crossbow. That's what it is. And they act like this is the most, like, amazing thing ever, and no one has ever thought about this before. It's a little bit similar to when Larry and uh, Carol last year were like, ooh, trial by combat. Like, no (laughs) one's ever considered this. And... We're so devious. And so then he shoots one of the arrows at one of the dragon skulls, and it, like, penetrates the skull. And that's the wow. scene. But like the way this is like everything about the scene is just so over the top. It's like it's like villains conspiring in an eighties kids movie. <laughs> like And they're just marveling at a large crossbow. <laughs> and he's talking about how like the greatest craftsmen have been working on it for months and just like it's just a big crossbow. This is a pretty like, standard piece this of This is a lot more impressive. <laughs> like it was a lot more impressive when Tyrion just ordered more wildfire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway um the next scene is barely worth talking about because it's just a hot stylized mess yeah but i mean and it's gonna be a lot more relevant in uh the other other retrospective but euron's iron fleet captures yara's iron fleet which is ferrying the dornish to dorn king's landing where the fuck were they going there was a plan it doesn't matter euron intercepts them (laughs) and like it's a battle. Yeah. It's a sea battle. I, there's there's nothing to say about this. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it a lot more in Deadpan, I think, when we talk about how, like, the choices that they made with, like, how they gave her this, like, ridiculously overpowered army, and then they're just like, oops, we gave sure. her a ridiculously oversized army. That was kind of, like, trying to fix that, I think. I mean, we we were watching this scene focusing on Euron, because mm-hmm. that's who's relevant to this retrospective, and there's nothing to say about him other than that he he's toxically masculine yeah. and a great fighter, and he laughs. Yeah. And he apparently has a penis, which he likes to mention a lot. He likes killing. Yes. And he's a hooligan. <laughs> Just like that word. <laughs> um. So, yeah, he captures, he kills two of the Sand Snakes. He captures Ilaria and mm-hmm. Tyene, and he captures Yara. That's- yes, and Theon runs away. And I'm sure it's shot very well. Okay. That brings us to the third episode, The Queen's Justice. But which queen? queen? Oh, my God, it's so ambiguous. There's two of them. Oh my gosh. Maybe three if you count the fact that Sansa's doing everything for John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, she is. Okay, so we anyway. open up in Cheryl's Landing where <laughs> the extras, the Croatian extras, are just thrilled that this like pirate has come back with this lady on a leash. Do they know who any of Bloody these people are? Oh, we don't folk. know. Do you remember when the small folk were all about the Tyrells? Yeah, I remember. And then they were all about the faith. I think they just like parades. <laughs> <laughs> Shiny. <laughs> yeah, so uh Yaron is leading um Yara on a leash and also uh Falaria and Tyene. This is when he's uh acting like he's a magician at a yeah. eight year old. He's just kinda like party. spreading his arms out, like receiving the adulation of the crowds. 
And uh, Falaria and Tyene are all like with their shirts open and I think my spitting at people. Part too is that Euron's talking to Yara uh-huh. as he's doing this. He's like, "Remember how dumb Theon looked? Theon looked really dumb." And she's just like, "Okay." <laughs> I think I think that like when Theon was born, like. Euron was really upset that he was no longer the center of attention or something, and he's like had this grudge ever since. That's my theory. Well, Theon had older brothers, but yeah, whatever. he did. I, I don't know. Maybe Theon like peed on him as a baby. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't know. Something happened. Anyway, um, they get to the throne room, and the people in the throne room are still clapping. Yeah, they're just so impressed. And again, he like doesn't come with any kind of escort. Like, do they not want to pay for Ironborn extras? <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. yeah, it's just all the King's Landing extras. They're yeah. standing in a lot more orderly fashion than they were last year. Well, so there's the props. two row of like guards to make like a little aisle. Yeah, unlike last year where they're just in clusters. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, apparently Euron knew that Cheryl wanted only Tyene and Falaria. Uh-huh. Because he, <clears throat> he watched who killed Marcella somehow. He saw the episode. Yeah, and that he knew that he was the poison. Ma- like I don't know. Um, Everybody knows so everything. He, it's fine. So Cheryl's obviously happy he brought them to her. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, "Oh, so we'll get married," and she's like, "Yep, after the war's won." Which you seem to like. You think it's Cersei esque? I I could see Cersei doing that. Like I don't. Ugh, there's not much about Cheryl that reminds me of Cersei, but mm-hmm. like this is this is one of the ones where it's like, yeah, of course we'll get married after the war's won. Yeah, and like. I don't even blame her for that. Yeah. And then, so, Queen Cheryl gives a speech. This very, like, heart-rending and, like, soaring speech about how the sons and daughters of Westeros will defend our country. We literally don't know who she's talking about at this point. I guess the Tyrell, like, the, the Reachmen that broke off the Tarleys and yeah, the Ironborn. The people in this room. The sons and daughters of Westeros. <laughs> And then Larry, and then, uh, Cheryl's like, oh, look. I don't know. Larry's talking to Euron, I think. Oh, Euron's talking at Larry more is more accurate, I well, think. And Larry, and he's like, look, they love us. And, and Larry's like, yeah, for now. <laughs> he's right. Yeah. He's, he's a small fucker idiot. He's in the show. He's like the audience avatar in this moment. Yes. And then Euron asks Larry how Cheryl likes to be fucked. Yes. If she likes to finger up the butt, I think is. Finger up the bum? Yeah. Which was a uh, Cheryl Award winner, I think. Carol Award winner. I think. I think that one. Classy. Classy, classy. Oh, Our my winner. gosh. Okay, you get to talk about this scene because I know how much you love it. Oh, God. Then, okay, so we, we cut to, I guess, the black cells where Tyene and Filaria, Ilaria are both chained up. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl comes in... Okay, this scene is five minutes, literally five mm-hmm. minutes of screen time. I timed it. It starts at twenty four forty six in the in like my file that I have, and it ends at twenty nine thirty two. So that is a lot of screen time. Yes. And so she comes in and she starts monologuing at Falaria because both Falaria and Tyene are chained and gagged and gagged. Neither so of them like I could, Tyene has like one single line that's a single word. Other than that, it's like all Cheryl with like Kyburn saying a couple sentences. Yeah, so Cheryl's there. She recaps Oberyn dying. Yeah. She's basically giving us the, like, previously on Game of Thrones. <laughs> and she's... Uh, she's then talking about... God, I don't fucking know. 
she just talks about how she's a mother. Yeah. She was jealous. She was such a good mother that she got jealous of a wet nurse for her kids. Yeah. Her kids were everything. Then she even mentions like the other sand snakes that didn't exist on this show, like the four other ones. Uh-huh. Um, also, I should note the whole time Cheryl's saying this, she has like bright red lipstick on. <laughs> like it's hilarious looking. <laughs> Like, she, no, she, it's basically just like a rambling monologue, and she talks about, like, why did you kill my daughter? She says that, like, three times. And then, yeah, then she's, like, talking like, about, like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't answer because you have a gag in your mouth. And then there's, like, all this weird, like, mixed metaphors that uh-huh. she keeps using, where she talks about power, empathy, insomnia, <laughs> Gregor. Like, it, it's it's so rambling and repetitive. Uh also, she calls Tyena perfect Dornish beauty. Whatever <laughs> the fuck that is. <laughs> <Just> hilarious. <laughs> because the real Tyena is blue-eyed and blonde. <laughs> and she's saying this the whole time with her fucking poison ivy lipstick on. <laughs> Finally, three and a half, four minutes into this, I don't know, she makes out with Tyene and then uh-huh. sticks her sticks the gag back yeah, and they both her. like everybody knows what's going on, apparently, like, you know. And then she realized and then she says, Oh, it's like the poison you used against Marcella, <laughs> she might have a few minutes or she might have a few hours or a few days. Who knows? And that's a really nice way of lampshading the boner poison mm-hmm. and the, um, and Marcella's delayed death. So <laughs> good job. Good, good job of fixing that issue. Yeah. Um, and then she just like walks out being like, you're going to watch your daughter die. Yeah, there's, there's and, a oh, whole she, other monologue about how she's going to like change the torches so she can like watch her face rot or whatever okay so i have yeah. like many things to say about this she wipes the lipstick off but yeah. like okay talk talk away um so i think this is the only time they actually hit the tone they've been wanting to hit for this character for like three seasons now well i think it's important to note like ju- just quickly quickly mm-hmm. following the scene she goes to larry and she like tries to make out with him and he like doesn't want to at first but then she gives him a blowjob so she's clearly like turned on by what just happened i think that's a that's an important aspect um but i would agree with that like this is actually like monstrous i would say and it's 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 like it's the same kind of like thing that they're trying to hit with ramsey like like he's completely composed insane sounding but he's also insane sounding right like they didn't quite make it with ramsey either (laughs) I don't think. No, it was just over the top. But, yeah. I mean, then then there'd be his scenes with Roos where he's, like, yeah, reasonably, like, exactly. <laughs> But, um, like, if she were acting like this all the time, I would actually, like, think the marketing around this character is justified, you know? We would have never called her Carol, yeah. I can tell you that. Um, but this is the first time where you really are like, wow, this isn't just revenge. This is, yeah. like, taking delight in a way you know this isn't sansa giving a small smile after ramsey's eat, get, getting fed by the dogs which was also disturbing yeah um but this is like so villainous so over the top you know uh it, it's on board with her wineboarding spoonella yeah i would say it's on par with that but at least like you know falari is actually responsible for something bad that happened to her <laughs> other than spoonella <laughs> I wonder if Spinella's cell is like near this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, you know, Julia and I kind of, we joke about the Carol narrative and we mm-hmm. play it up and, and it's what we said is like Cheryl is completely deranged at, at the end of last season because, you know, she blew up everyone up and then wine boarded a scepter. Uh, so, and then grabbed power on the throne. So we were kind of like, oh, okay, there's no like sympathetic character left in here. But mm-hmm. then, 
if you remove this scene, which you can't, but if you yeah. remove the scene... No, but if you, you can remove the scene because it's completely reasonable that she would want to kill Falaria, like, in this yeah, setting. Falaria did literally kill her daughter. So does this mean they're writing Cheryl well? In this one scene, sure. Because the other thing, like, she I think never goes here again. View her as unreasonable in every other scene this season, but she's not. And, like, she never is, and she's so not even unreasonable hard. here. She's just evil. Yes, this is her one evil scene. But people act as though this has been in evidence for a really, really long time. I mean, like and she had not. that scene last year that was like the wineboarding thing, and she had the same kind of like weird monologue thing about it too. Yeah, so are those two scenes out of character for her other scenes? Do you I mean, think maybe. Fit? I mean, she never acts like this in front of Larry. And she never no. acts like this in public. She basically no. just acts like this in front of, like, Gregor Clegane and Kyburn. So she's a consistent character, then. She's an evil, consistent character. This is what we've wanted. She's right? an insane, deranged person who knows how to control herself in public and in front of her brother lover. But okay. But it makes sense to you now why she is a villain as opposed to deadpan, right? I mean, Deadpan had her own moments, didn't she? Yeah, including the season. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, they're definitely not framed in the same way. Like, she's like in both of these scenes that we're talking about—the one this this season and the one last year with Spunella. Like, she's in like in a dark dungeon, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, nothing Deadpan does is ever framed like that. Well, I wrote this in my sexism piece, mm-hmm. but. The takeaway that we can get from her scripting versus Deadpan's is that Deadpan isn't as evil or evil because she listens to Tyrion on occasion and checks her impulses by listening Tyrion to Tyrion literally says that. But Cheryl doesn't check her impulses yeah. by listening to Larry. So therefore, Cheryl's evil. Like, <laughs> it's not flattering, guys. It's not flattering. <laughs> I mean, like, the narrative definitely thinks that Cheryl was more evil than Deadpan. Yes. And this scene is disturbing Mm -hmm. but it's her like only bond villain scene of the season it's like she has this moment and then she's just gonna be like a reasonable ruler the rest of it so okay i guess that means she's a well-written character i mean reasonable not necessarily smart but we'll get to that um okay let's talk about the sex scene (laughs) no what no i don't want to talk about you don't want to talk about her slurping noises that is a very interesting blowjob technique um i mean i was mostly concerned like are you sure you got all that lipstick off honey (laughs) i mean it's a poison you can just wipe it off with a napkin and nothing happens well she took the anecdote not the anecdote the antidote you're right but she didn't give larry an antidote and then she started like you know sucking on his penis like (laughs) check just check you know maybe take a bath first (laughs) just really scrub Anyway, um, they're like cuddling the morning Aww, after. Oh, it's so sweet and, and he's, pure. He's like tenderly watching her sleep, like, oh, my love. Um, but then Mini Me disturbs. <laughs> okay, so Mini Me is like her like handmaiden. I don't think they're ever actually called that. But Mini Maid. <laughs> yeah. So, um, she's a, apparently this extra, or she's not really an extra because she speaks, but, um, this particular handmaiden has been there since season two. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever noticed her before, but now she... Ha- she was one of Sansa's, yeah. Yeah. So now she has... Um, she was the one uh, Shay threatened, if you remember. No, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but, uh, 
I don't think anyone else does either. Um, <laughs> but okay, I mean, it's 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 cool, I guess. That these are the details they choose to focus on. Um, so now she has like a matching battle dress and a haircut, so she can look just like Cheryl. And so it's she like opens a the door. Not as nice one. Yeah. It's like the knockoff. So she opens the door and like Cheryl's there in her dressing gown and like Larry's there in bed and like everything's all disheveled and she's just like, oh, okay, the queen is fucking her brother. This has never, this suspicion hasn't caused anything before. Well, because there's like, no one can see us like this and Cheryl's like, whatever. (laughs) So yeah, she takes it with much aplomb. I think Cheryl, Larry's probably happy about this. He's wanted it to be them forever. Has he? Which, which, are you sure you're not mixing up Larry and Jamie or like, the scene it happens to be well i mean okay i i guess yeah if i've taken him literally in some scenes but like remember when he told edmure oh yeah that one river run yeah remember his season five arc was embracing fatherhood and being there for carol and he wanted to like be there and then he's been like running around yelling at everyone how much he loves her since then so i think i'm just taking larry at larry Mm. Anyway, the next scene is my favorite scene of the entire uh, arc. Everyone remember the Iron Bank? I remember when they gave Stannis a bunch of money. Anyway, Tycho Nestoris is there for some reason. Yeah. And it just opens to him congratulating Cheryl. <laughs> for being, on being so the awesome queen and like giving every indication of being sincere. Yeah, so congrats on being the first queen of Westeros oh, and, uh, somewhere. Yeah, she's just looking into the camera like it's the office. Uh, and then he also says, you've, you've freed this t- small folk and cast off the yoke of suspicion. Because apparently the Iron Bank are also Marxists. Yeah, of superstition. Yeah, they're like really happy. The Marxist the bankers religious. who are into slavery. <laughs> so basically they love Cheryl because she got rid of the faith uh-huh. and because she isn't Danny and Danny disrupted the slave trade and the Iron Bank loves the slave trade. They've invested heavily in the slave trade, Kylie. Also, uh Cheryl was like bragging about killing Alaria. <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah, but then she but this is when she denied blowing up a sept, right? She's like, oh no, yeah, no, that said, was oh, a tragic it, accident. And he's like, no, 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 it was really good. You cast off the yoke of superstition. <laughs> yeah. Props. Like, what, dude? So he's kind of there because, uh, hey, you owe us money and yeah. we know you don't have gold in the gold mines. And she's like, look, I will get you money in two weeks, but, um, you know, I, I need you to give us that time and I need you to invest in us because Danny is a revolutionary. Yes. And those aren't good for, for the financial stability. <laughs> And, yeah, and I mean, she's right that revolutions aren't good for financial establishments, which she knows because I guess she's read history of our world or something. Like, th- this shouldn't have happened in Westeros, you know? Uh-huh. But maybe, maybe in somewhere in SOC history, something happened and she read about that. And she says this and he's like, oh, you're your father's daughter indeed. And he's just like, yeah, it's like. With complete sincerity, by the way. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this because, like, Cheryl has no gold and they know it. Deadpan, on the other hand, could easily pay off this oh. debt. Julia, she's a revolutionary. She's a revolutionary with access to a lot of resources. Cheryl, Cheryl is really convincing, though. I, I actually have a question about this. Yes. Like, are we supposed to really 
believe Cheryl is just as competent as Tywin because yes, there's no counterpoint. Yes, we're supposed to believe that so Cheryl she, is Neo Tywin. So she and Tywin are because she listened. She listened to Tywin, unlike Larry. So the whole thing about like she's not as smart as she thinks she is. It turns out she is no because Tyrion is just way smarter than everybody, including Tywin. But no, Tywin told Carol long ago, "You're not as smart as you think you mm-hmm. are." Because he's sexist. So he was, he was wrong. Okay, maybe he's sexist and ableist. And the only dumb person here is Larry, the one that he liked. My favorite part of this is honestly, you know, they're in debt, and she just goes, "Give me a fortnight." Like you couldn't have asked for a month, six a months, fortnight? You, <laughs> a fortnight. Oh, okay, I'll have it to you on Tuesday. Like what? She's always like she always does that though. She puts herself into these positions that will like expose her for no reason. But this is presented as reasonable. No, this anyway, is like her next, masterstroke. Yeah, the next scene is um Tyrion's terrible voiceover while Casterly Castle is taken by the Unsullied. Yeah, so um so Cheryl has a fortnight to get the gold. So mm-hmm. what she has done is she has sent Larry to take to Something. We don't know, right? It's a secret. It's a secret. She sent Larry with his army mm-hmm. to somewhere to get the gold. Did you even know that part? Because this is all, a, because this part is all about Tyrion and Team Deadpan and Casterly Castle. We're not sure, we're not sure how to exactly frame this, like, given the fact that this is completely disjointed and all over the place. <laughs> you cast off the yoke of superstition, freeing the crown from elements who sought to subvert the rule of law. Uh, okay, give me a fortnight. Stay in King's Landing as my honored guests. I swear my debt will be paid in full. Uh, yeah, no, she. I don't even think she mentions Jamie actually. Yeah, she's just like, Larry. I will. I will magically come up with this money. I'll take care of it. And then, like later like, in the well, episode, you, you've Tyrion been so great with everything else. Yeah, later in the episode, Tyrion is uh, voiceovering this terrible Castle Castle takeover, and oh no, he's been tricked <laughs> because he's been tricked because the Unsullied take over Castle Castle, but nobody is there, and the Greyjoys are there garrisoned. behind them in ships bombing them. They destroy the Unsullied ships that they came on. Is that what happened? Larry explains it to Olana. Oh, spoilers. Anyway, <laughs> as it turns out, uh, Tyrion was tricked mm-hmm. because Larry ran to Casterly Castle and grabbed everyone there and then marched them down to Highgarden. I mean, can we presume or- that between like the cuddling scene and the Iron Bank scene, there were like three months and that's when Larry has been doing all this? No. No, we can't. Because she didn't send him until they needed gold. It's all happened in a fortnight. But maybe she, like, anticipated that they need gold. No. No. Anyway, the There's Lannisters no are marching, and they look hilarious. I mean, unless unless we want to pretend that, like, Arya's been threatening to cut off Sansa's face for months. Like, there's just, there's no indication that much time has passed at all anywhere in mm-hmm. this season. Except for Sam slopping soup for, for months. That probably happened. That was happened. a montage. Yeah. Anyway. Can we talk uh, about the Lannisters the- and how they march? They just look bouncy they're they're, they're doing this like like double step but it's like a very short kind of double step like they're not covering much distance with each it's like a parade kind of thing they're taking very very short hoppy Mm -hmm. strides i can't describe it it's just really bad it's it's like it's like they're at a review or a parade except they're like marching across country but it's just incredibly funny looking especially because they also have the penis helmets so you're just like seeing this sea of penis helmets marching and you're like no like that like step must be very very tiring 
And they crossed all of Westeros in a week. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just not efficient at all. Did we mention that they're actually uh, attacking Highgarden? We didn't mention that. <laughs> anyway, Larry's officers are Bronn, Randall, and Dickon. Yes. Oh, and Highgarden is like... On a hill. It's geographically advantaged. Yeah, but it's also, like, not that impressive. <laughs> I'm not sure if it has a moat or not, though. Casterly Castle didn't even have a moat. <laughs> you know what I've noticed about both these places? Like, they're a lot, like, they're completely geographically isolated. Like, there's not, there's no settlement around the castle. Well, why would there be? It's mm. only the largest castles in the area. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's reasonable. But, like, you have, like, you know, the Winter Town around Winterfell and, like, the Shadow it's, City it's around really... Sunspear. Like, there's... But... I, honestly, Run... it's not reasonable. River Run seems to be completely, like, there's nothing built around it, right? Well, that's fine. But for an area like the Reach, mm. which is so reliant on, you know, farming and all that, too, and, the, and that kind of system... And that kind of agricultural trade, it's really not reasonable that it would be that isolated. That's just not, like, how feudal towns came to be. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure I'm willing to be completely, like, anal about this, but... I mean, there's no point in being anal about Mm -hmm. it. It's just these are isolated castles. Cool. Uh, So, anyway, Larry's officers are Bronn, Randall, and Dickon, and no one else. (laughs) And they win! They win. They take, they take the high guarding place castle. Thing. These defensive strongholds are shit. <laughs> like, Winterfell sucks. <laughs> yeah. Castle Castle really sucks. Mm-hmm. You can just come in through the toilet. They did come through the toilet. That is a true fact. Uh, like, mm. I could see that happening in the books, but... But not quite so, like, with lack not of like any kind of ceremony <laughs> like it is. Yeah. I mean, they, anyway, they have um, kind of seated that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so this this fight happens off screen, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just Larry walking through the castle with all these, like, random dead Tyrell people and, like, people counting giant piles of gold. And apples, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice the apples, just the giant piles of gold. <laughs> I love I love that their gold is just in these piles. <laughs> yeah, okay, and, and while I'm... they were marching in their, like, extremely tiring parade step, Elena was just, like, standing on a balcony looking vaguely sad. Like... The Reach is a rich region because of food production, mm-hmm. not because they just have heaps of gold. That's the Lannisters. The yeah. Lannisters have the heaps of gold. No, but their lines oh are God, exhausted. Anyway, Elena's in her cottage, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of like... Sad. Uh, did did we fight well? And Larry's like, well, you know, as well as you could have, considering. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, it was never our forte. What? Because <laughs> the Tyrells are... Like, our sigils arose. Yeah. What? Um, okay. I mean, okay. I mean, they've always been more focused on, like, tourney fighting than actual fighting, right? But, like, also not. So. Also not. (laughs) Also, they're very populous. Yeah. So if nothing else, there would have been, like, a lot of archers on the wall. Whatever. This is stupid. There's no point in talking about a battle that didn't happen on screen. So then Elena's like, oh, we thought you'd be at Casterly Castle. And Claire's like, nah, it's not really worth very much. Okay. And to be generous... I'm so confused by this. Originally, the Unsullied thing didn't make any sense to me, but what Larry basically said is, like, we emptied out all our provisions, Mm -hmm. so they got there and there's, like, nothing they can live off of, and then we burned their ships. So they will be forced to retreat, and they will be forced to retreat on land. So they're they're basically useless right now. What I don't understand, though, is how one thing has anything to do with the other. What do you mean? Like, why couldn't they take High Garden since it was so easy to take? And also defend Castle. The Unsullied? 
They can't take Highgarden because... No, no, Larry. Um, like, why can't he do both? Why can't he defend Casterly Castle and, like, prevent the Unsullied from landing at all? Because he needed and, all of his men to take Highgarden. Did he? Even though fighting's... Yeah. It was a close fight. It just, you know, for what it was. <laughs> we think. Um, or maybe he knew that Tyrion would have sneaky tricks. But did he have sneaky I, tricks? <laughs> I don't know why they just wrote off Casterly Castle. I don't know. I, I think the argument is supposed to be they needed their huge force of Lannisters okay. to take Highgarden, but then, as it turned out, the Tyrells are even worse fighters, those flowers, so... I mean, it makes sense to me that if you're going to launch an attack against a defensive stronghold, you want as many bodies as possible. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I can live with this. I mean, but, like, just, like, the fact I mean, that, like, <laughs> there wasn't even a siege. You know, they, this is all within that two-week timeline, if you recall. They just, like, attacked yeah, no, the castle. No, they didn't siege, they attacked. They just, yeah, they attacked, uh, attacked the castle. Well, you can't siege High Garden that's full of food. Like, that would take years. Yeah, but you also can't storm it. No, they did. They did, because they're not good fighters. These defensive strongholds in this world don't do anything. Okay, so what I don't understand is, how do I explain this? Like, why, like, this was a diversionary tactic? Like, how was this diversionary? Well, because Tyrion thought that they wouldn't just give up on Casterly Castle. And just attack Highgarden. Yeah, so he thought if they, he, he, he figured they wouldn't spare the troops to go attack Highgarden. That they'd be on the defensive. Okay. I mean, this kind of makes sense, but there's something off about it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> the only thing that makes sense is that, like, I didn't track how the Unsullied warped to King's Landing, and now I do. But, like, this whole thing still doesn't make sense. Because here's the they thing. Warped through high- they warped to King's uh, Sheriff's Landing through land that the Lannisters completely controlled? Or not? Because they of the walk. loot well, who's going to stop them? What army is going to attack the Unsullied? The Lannister army? Why would they do that? That's really risky. Why would they do that? First of all, the 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 Unsullied mm-hmm. took the Gold Road, right? No, the Gold Road kind of goes like up and down. So they, they would have to take the Gold Road like to the Reach. What? What's the road from? Unless the- they took the like they went up to the Riverlands and then. No, what's the road from Casterly Rock to King's Landing? There is an indirect road. You would either have really? to go to the river to the Riverlands, or you would have to go to like down to the Reach. I th- mm. Because obviously Larry took his army back across. Yeah, the Rose Road, the Gold Road. Yeah, the Rose Road. Because there's mountains like, in the this way. This matters. People just go where where D and D want them yeah. to go. Like none of this matters. We're putting way more effort into this than they are. Right? Oh, I'm, I was thinking of the Ocean Road. What? I was thinking of the Ocean Road. Okay. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, I don't know what we were saying. I guess we're just saying the Unsullied took the Gold Road home while Larry took the ho- the, the Rose, Rose Road, Road yeah, home. Yeah, that makes perfect but sense. But seriously, like, who would attack the Unsullied? Who would be that stupid? I don't know. So, so, okay, so the the dude did... So he said that he went to Castle Rock. So presumably, what? Larry, first he went to Castle Rock to collect everybody, right? First he went to Castle Rock, grabbed his people, ran down to Highgarden. Okay, he ran down from by the Ocean Road, one presumes. Yes, and then he took the road yes. rose home, and the Unsullied took the gold road to King's Landing. Yes, and probably hooked up with the Dothraki to protect them. Where did the Dothraki come from? The Dothraki. The Dothraki were, were at the loot train attack, though. Yeah, the Dothraki were at Dragonstone, and then I guess Danny ferried them to like what, like Duskendale, Rosby? Like how they even they, they'd have to have gone through Blackwater Bay, right? Sure. I mean, unless they're like 
somewhere in the Stormlands. She took them from Dragonstone to, like, Shipbreaker Bay? To Massey's Hook? Like... (laughs) Nobody knows. Anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, that will become more relevant next episode. The point is, it was very sneaky of Larry... Yes, ...to give up his defensive stronghold and to take another one. So then he and Olena... Uh, he he compares this to Whispering Wood for some reason. Yeah, because like you expect them to be on the, no, because you expect them to be one place, but they're actually the other place. So you like some I don't know. How is this a comparison? It's just like oh, you didn't expect our army to be here, but we were. Like I, I guess, guess that's, that's the, the same, same yeah. thing. He's like, yeah, I learned from my mistakes, but like how Rob didn't abandon anything when he did that. He just kind of faked a move like he did he just he kind of threw a force. battle yeah he threw he threw one battle but not like not in this way he didn't give up a castle this isn't very similar his seat no less it was a faint like that's all it is mm. anyway uh he learned from his mistakes yeah. and i was like cool and then larry said he's a slow learner and then and then Elena says, "Well, if your dad was so smart, why didn't take? Why didn't he attack Highgarden the moment that your gold mines ran gold mines ran dry? What? What? <laughs> you mean like at the point where like first of all there was peace in the kingdom, or was that afterwards when they were like literally allied to House Tyrell and had access to their gold anyway? Like what? <laughs> what a stupid <laughs> thing to say." I guess he should have just taken it when Robert was sitting on the throne. <laughs> like, well, well, we don't our know. minds are dry, like, wh- and they just have piles of gold. <laughs> Didn't Robert owe them a shit ton of money? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, a lot of money. In season one, he owed them money. But, I mean, Tywin hid the fact that the mines were dry because he was just making good financial move. It's not that they were broke, it's just they weren't they didn't have an endless supply of gold, that's all. I see. Anyway, um, then she's like, okay, Larry, how are, how is it going to happen? Yeah, how are you going to kill me, Larry? And he's like, well, my sister was imagining things that I didn't want to do. Like, or like, my, my sister basically had ideas for you, but mm-hmm. I thought they were really mean. So I'm just going to poison you. Yeah, I'm going like, to put this he, poison he, in this cup of wine right here. Yeah, and she's like, well, I feel pain. He's like, no, I made sure. Yeah, and she's like, cool, cool, but first I'm going to uh, tell you all sorts of mean things. No, she chugs it. Oh, does she chug it first? She chugs it first mm-hmm. and then is like, cool. By the way, <laughs> as I'm dying, your sister has done things I wasn't capable of imagining. Yeah, your sister is so much worse than me, somehow. And well, so like, yeah, I, I guess. guess. I guess she's talking about the set blowing up. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty bad. Although, Elena did tell Cheryl, what are you going to do? Kill us all. So I guess she kind of did imagine it. <laughs> yeah. And remember when Elena, like, yeah, what she mentions right now, she literally killed Cheryl's son? Yeah, yeah. Well, because c- basically, like, Larry is like, well, Cheryl had to do these things. Yeah. Which, kind of. But Elena said, like, no, Cheryl's a disease. I helped spread it. <laughs> what? By allying with Lannisters, and then, um, and then she's like, by the way. I killed your son. Yeah. And she was, like, talking about how, like, she didn't want to be such a scene or something like that. So messy. Yeah. But he was an, he was he was a cunt, so I think she calls him that. Yeah, she called Joffrey a cunt. Every, everyone calls Joffrey a cunt. That's just, like, 
cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. And, uh, it's kind of it's honestly kind of badass she just like turns the wine tells him that she killed joffrey he gets a very larry look on his face and then she dies i mean like like, like, while while the season was airing you were mad at me because i was just like i think i finally get diana rick (laughs) why people like her (laughs) yeah i guess i mean i didn't really this character was stupid but like like remember when she stopped the carriage and then was like you can smell the shit wait why are we super hilarious Now she's on Victoria playing the exact same character. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like Natalie Dormer playing a sexual manipulator yeah. at the time. Like, Jesus Christ. Write new roles. Women are not this boring, I promise. Anyway, um, Larry like storms out while she's just kind of like, ha 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 ha. I don't know if you actually and see her die or if she's still no, dying when we leave. It's kind of hard because she kind of stops moving. Like, you're like, is she dead? But then she moves and you're like... <laughs> Diana Rega's like, is it over? <laughs> Am I free? I have to go work on Victoria now. <sighs> um, and honestly, like, I can't even tell who's justified mm-hmm. anymore. Like, okay, we are all just horrible. <laughs> no, but just like my thing about Elena is that I never really understood her motivations. I mean, like Natalie Dormore is always about like, oh, they're doing this to protect their family, and just like, why did their family get into this situation then? <laughs> So, like Elena ranged all of yeah, this. Yeah, and she didn't have to do any of this. And like there's like that whole thing with like how she like becomes the queen and then she doesn't do anything. Remember that? She becomes the queen and then she just has like catty brunches. <laughs> <laughs> like wow, profiting. So, I'm just having trouble having any sympathy with Charles at all. But like also yeah. they never blew up a sept full of people. Yeah. No, instead they just empowered that situation to happen yeah. because of Marjorie's terrible deal. That's kind of victim blamey, maybe. Maybe? I mean, is it? I don't know. Like, they had their army right there, and Marjorie was like, stand down. Like, what? (sighs) No, dude, there's like a hundred sparrows. They could could take care of this. Mm. (laughs) Whatever. Spoils of war! Okay, yeah, let's let's talk about something else. (laughs) I just wrote the Lannisters are marching on and on, hurrah, okay. Yeah, okay, so they're still marching. They're still marching that exhausting, like, parade march. And, like, apparently they've, like, gone up the King's Road, kind of looped through the reach, through the King's Wood, and now they're almost at King's Landing. They're about to cross the Blackwater Rush, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They took the Rose Road to the King's Wood, and then they hooked up with the King's Road, yes. Yeah. So they're, they're like, there. King's Landing's in sight. Yeah, and, look, like, the gold has already crossed the river, right? And, well, I think my favorite part is that we see them, like, still handling the giant sacks of gold. Like, why are you futzing with this now? Just, like, keep it. <laughs> no, but the gold is across the river, there. right? Yeah, well, because Larry takes out a sack of gold and gives it to Bronn. Oh, right. And then Bronn's like, huh, I still want... A castle. I don't know. A castle, even though I had one. And Larry's like, that's, like, literally enough gold to buy a castle. What the fuck are you bitching about? And Bronn is like, I just don't want to leave you, Larry. Yeah, they make a high septum joke. What is it? Uh, I forget. Who cares? I mean, <laughs> that dude got blown up, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then um, Bron is kind of like, I'm done with all this. I just have my gold now or something. Yeah. I don't. I, Bron, Bron's a little inconsistent. <laughs> anyway, then Charlie shows yeah. up and he's like. He's like, yeah, Ugh. we're stealing all the grain from all the farmers, even though it's almost winter and they're all going to die. That's fine. Um. Also, it's like, whatever. And then he's also like, they're stragglers. Should we? Oh, no, no, that's later. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
they just they're stealing it anyway Tycho still exists for some reason and the next scene is with him and cheryl again yeah and this is the one where they're like <sighs> yeah so they're talking about so he's like ejaculating basically over Cheryl and talking about how wonderful she is and how efficient she is. He's like LeFou. Like, wow, you're so efficient. No, it's like it's like LeFou and Gaston, you know? And it's like, okay. So then, Cheryl's like, yeah, I'm Cheryl so I'm so efficient that you should give us another loan. And Tyco, right, basically she has good credit yeah. right now. And Tycho's super into like, that idea. He's like, I would love to give you more money. Okay, and this is where I noticed. This is where I noticed that they'd done the same thing this season that they did with Deadpan in season five. And it's not just one battle dress that she has. It's actually a series of different yet, but yet also identical black battle dresses. I still am like trying to ignore the fact that battle dress is in our lexicon. Yeah. No, but like, (laughs) okay, so this one is like, it's got like this puffy, like padded, like, quilt kind of thing going on and like some of them have fatheringales and some of them don't and so like they're the detailing the detailing on the shoulders is sometimes different but it's always like a silver kind of thing uh-huh. so like they made several of these dresses that are different yet identical i'm sure they all symbolize something. yeah once caroline finally has the free time to write the uh Cheryl one. It's going to be great. Yeah. But just like, then I was just like fascinated by which battle dress is she wearing this time? Does it have a cardigan? And there's one that's anyway. like, it's like, it's like black and silver and it's kind of like woven to look kind of sort of like uh-huh. chainmail. That's yeah, the one she yeah. wears with a battle uh-huh. cardigan. Dear, you're going to just have to let this one go. No. The main point of the scene, Cheryl is mentioning that she wants a loan for the Golden Company. Does and she mention the Golden Tiger- Company? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like, like, oh, yeah, 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 the, yeah, they've helped the Golden us out. Company, they've, yeah, they've helped us collect loans. This is one of those, this is one of those, like, times where, like, the more you know about, like, the world building in the actual series, the worse it is. <laughs> she could have just said, like, sell swords. I yeah. need sell swords. They didn't have to specify the Golden Company. Well, the Golden Company is the best one. It's golden. I know, but, okay, whatever. And, uh. I mean, just because it comes with all this baggage. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's it. She, no, no, no. They the do this whole thing where they where they're just like, oh, this is only good if the gold arrives. Dun dun dun. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like the gold is almost here. Once we get that gold, <laughs> and then uh, the next scene is loot train attack, which is what D and D called. Yeah, it. Yeah, people were calling it the field of fire. I think those were just fans who were trying to piss me off. It was never its official name. <laughs> Oh my god, seriously. But no, seriously, in D&D's notes, they call it loot chain attack. Yeah, so the Field of Fire was a historic battle uh, during Aegon's conquest, where he basically, like, conquered two kingdoms at once. And it was kind of a big deal, and all three dragons were there. Yeah, this is nothing, nothing like that. Did. Like, <laughs> no. Anyway, um, Larry and Bron were just, are just kind of like, standing in their army, uh, in their armor. Yeah, they're like, like on their horse, they, they're, they're sitting on their horses, and they're like watching the army walk by. They're just kind of like, and then, hanging out. And then Randall comes by and he's like, all the gold is safely in King's Oh, Randall. good. I was so worried. I was like on the edge of my seat there. Then he's like, I'm worried about the head of the line. I guess the gold wasn't the head of the line. They like sent that ahead really fast. Yeah. And then he was worried that the head was going to get ambushed because they're moving too slowly because the tail of the line is dragging. So he wants to start flogging stragglers. I should point uh-huh. out Carol's land- Cheryl's landing is like visible <laughs> right there i think is it i don't remember seeing it 
I don't know. Actually, I guess it's not visible, but they're they're like, but like the gold is across the river and it's it's already through the gates. Yeah, so like if that's the case, they're not far off. So I don't know why they're so worried. But I don't know why they were like stragglers. doing that whole thing about oh my god, will the gold get there? And then the next scene, they're like, oh, the gold's there. Okay. Yeah. And then um, Billy Bones or Dickon comes riding up, and Larry gets his name wrong again. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, Rickon, and he's like, Dickon, and then Bron starts giggling. He like giggles like a twelve-year-old who just like heard his friend fart. It's like, and then. Dickon's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then we learned that. <laughs> this is so stupid. Then we learned that Highgarden was his very first fight. And they're only just talking about I I mean, I guess they sprinted from Highgarden, so they didn't have time to talk about they it. They didn't even, like, this is. <laughs> okay. So Dickon is supposed to be younger. He like, apparently has never seen He's like 6'5 despite- and, like, hairy. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't even make him shave. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't know killing someone would smell like this. I mean, why didn't they, like, cast an actual teenage boy to play this? I don't understand. What was we're wrong with Cormac McClaggan like, then? Like, we're supposed to believe this 35-year-old has never seen battle before. Why? Were you too busy hunting? I mean, like, Dickon in the books is, like, nine years old, you know? So... Out of all the like actors they could have picked to play, because his two the only two things he needs is to have the name Dickon mm-hmm. and to have not fought before, and to be super and loyal to his dad. Bones. I guess spoilers. <laughs> they pick Billy Bones, which like so he's a fine like actor, but thirty five year old, he's a little miscast. <laughs> it's just this dude. He's so like hairy, and he's got this like deep voice. He's like, I've never been in a battle before. <laughs> he looks older than Larry. He does. <laughs> anyway, so they're having this like super deep heart to heart conversation about how war is war is hell. Um, Bron hears something. He's like, "What's that?" Yeah, apparently there are no scouts. Or maybe the scout, like the Dothraki, okay. killed other scouts. Oh, spoilers. Sure. Okay. Um. Because that's how Scott. So are. they hear all this like but- whooping and like horses running. So I've I've recently like read, just like offhand about how like horses can only charge for like four or five hundred meters, and then they stop running because they're tired. Yeah, they they have you know endurance needs. Yeah, like us. and also they don't like but- run like horses will not commit suicide. You cannot force them to. No, <laughs> so they won't like run into spears. They- yeah, they'll gallop like. Yeah, towards something, mm-hmm. but they get burned out. Cantering is a much more reasonable pace to keep up. Yeah, so like, that, that's not what happens here. These horses are, are like endurance athletes, I guess. Yeah, so anyway, they're fucking sprinting mm-hmm. towards everyone, and then um, Bronn wants to abandon the battle. He's like, you, you and me, like, let's go. And Larry's no. like, no! <laughs> We're generals? We can't do this? <laughs> So he, like, yells at everyone to form up, I guess. And, um, yeah, it's, it's the, like, I think Drogon appears just before the lines meet. I don't really remember, because it's not that interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a battle. They fight and they fight. And it's very Warg Rider-esque from Two Towers when the lines clash together, because it's, it's horses charging into spears, basically. And it showed the Dothraki kind of, like, balancing on their backs, which is Oh, it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, those stuntmen, whoever they are, like, they almost make this episode yeah, worth it. Yeah, it. it was really cool. Mm. Um, and then Danny's there on Drogon just, like, burning everything. No, like, no, she no she's, she's targeting the provisions. 
because the provisions are in wagons along the road, and she just like follows the road and burns all the. Prov- does she think that's like, the gold she- or? No, she's like burning apple crates. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, doesn't your army also have to eat dead men? Yeah, and so then I don't know. <laughs> There's like. I guess it's fine. There's archers and they're kind of adorably outnumbered. I mean, and and like Larry's all like, "Bron, go get the scorpion. It's in this this in this wagon." And Bron is like, "I guess I'll do that." You get the scorpion. No, Bron's like, "You get the scorpion." And Larry says, "I have one hand." <sighs> it was really weird. Yeah. Anyway, at some point, Billy Bones saves Larry, which is significant because this is his I second guess. battle. Anyway, then Bron has a hero's arm mm-hmm. where. <laughs> He literally chooses between his bag of gold lying yeah, there he's, he's and get, the he scorpion. He gets like knocked off his horse, and his bag of gold falls, and he leaves it to go get the scorpion. I think my favorite part of this is that there's one Dothraki who's gunning for him. Yeah. He's like chasing him through the entire. Well, battlefield. they had this whole thing where they're like charging at each other, and Dothraki like cut off his horse's leg. It was really kind of gruesome. And then like he falls into the mud and runs away, and Dothraki gets off his horse and chases after him. Because that's what Dothraki do. It's so stupid. It's like, we I really got it in for you. <laughs> and this is where we see Tyrion, right? Yeah, Tyrion's just on a hill. Yeah. And, and then the Dothraki he's with are like, your people suck at fighting. <laughs> he's like, mm, yeah. And like, I mean. And um, he's watching like Drogon swoop down and burn all these people. And he has this like look on his face. But like, I'm sorry. Cavalry is always going to fuck up infantry like this. Yeah. This isn't like that particularly gruesome. And then Danny's just randomly burning everyone. Like everything. Mm-hmm. She's just going, I-, I don't know what the fuck she's doing. Nobody knows. Um, anyway, Bronn sets up the scorpion and fires it mm-hmm. and it hits Drogon. But like it barely, like he just lands. <laughs> and I think he like burns the scorpion too. Yeah, maybe. Because he's so sad. I mean, that was a really worthwhile plot thread there. But then they land, and then Danny's like, "Oh, I'm gonna remove this, pull this arrow move. out, oh my God. this bolt." So she's fut- she's futzing with the arrow, and her back is turned. <laughs> and, then and Larry's like, Larry "Oh, I can be a hero now, I guess." Because it's just her and Drogon, mm-hmm. and he's like, "This is not gonna end poorly for me." So he grabs a spear and he starts doing this stupid charge towards her. I think her he knows it's not gonna end well arrow. for him. He's being all heroic. Well, well, Tyrion stands on the hill and goes, don't do it, you fucking idiot. You fucking idiot. Don't do it. Yeah. Fucking moron. Like, seriously, he just keeps repeating that. And then at the last, like, Drogon turns and is obviously about to blast him in the yeah, face. Yeah, like, you can see, like, his, like, the- fu- like, the fire building up in the back of his throat or whatever. <laughs> and then from off frame, mm, like, out of nowhere, Bronn just appears on a horse, tackles Larry off of his, and they drop into water together. Yeah, they drop into nice, deep water together. In their armor. And the, the, and the um, episode ends with Larry sinking deeper and yes. deeper because he's wearing it's armor. It's a very artistic shot. Yeah. Anyway, the next scene is Eastwatch, written by Dave Yay! Hill, our favorite. I love Dave Hill. <laughs> this episode, man. So how does the episode open after that dramatic? Um, The episode opens with Larry and Braun emerging from the water like 500 meters away from the battle. If that. No, it's it's a good distance to swim on one breath. <laughs> yeah. In armor. Um, and Bron like Bron like pulls him out of the water. Yeah. I guess he pulled him the whole way. <sighs> That's a good friend. They're just like across a pond. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> and like coming out of the thing. Also, 
Danny and Tyrion didn't bother, like, checking or capturing them? Well, maybe Tyrion, like, threw this particular one because he's still so loyal to his family. Bronn really seems like he wants to guess. You wrote that, not me. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you no, wrote that. No, I did not. Mm. I mean, I think Bronn did. He was giving Hilary some romantic eyes. Yeah. And then he starts, like, saying some classic Braunisms, like, we're fucked, and that cunt burn everything. Yeah, and he's like, I'm out. If there's dragons involved, I will no longer be involved in it. Like, like, my grandmother used to do this. Like, she would come over to our house and be upset about something, and then say she's never coming again, and then (laughs) she would, like, just come again. I think my favorite part is that, like, Braun had that arc with the scorpion in the episode before, and then this episode, he's like, well, I'm just in it for the money. It's like, oh. He you might just, as well have just, just called Larry your highness this. You just undermined yourself. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, then we get a Larry and Cheryl scene post-battle. Kyburn's there for like four seconds. Yeah, and like Larry comes in, he's his armor is still muddy. I mean, like they're right outside Cheryl's landing, so why not? <laughs> yeah, he has a real O'Larry look yeah. on his face. Is it, yeah, he meets Kyburn in the hallway, yeah. And Cheryl's like, yeah, we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, we have money now, so we can go get mercenaries. We have money. We'll get mercenaries. And Larry's like, no. Yeah. No. Danny kills for sport and she can't, and we can't win. Oh, by the way, she burned Dickon and Randall, but that, I, I don't even know whose plotline they're relevant in. They just refuse to bend the knee. Yeah. And Larry so, knows about this, they, I guess. She, I guess. But, uh, maybe he just, just, wait, how does he know? And also, Danny is there with a dragon right outside King's Landing. And, yeah. like, her. Dothraki or also that why don't they just take Cheryl's landing now? Bad optics, Julia. That's really violent of them. <sighs> I, the I forgot that ridiculous dragon. Oh my god, I can't wait to talk she about that. Literally just burn down the red keep right now. That's a, Or like do like a surgical strike and just like break the window of the room they're talking in now and eat Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> the scorpion's damaged, they can't do anything. <laughs> anyway, uh, and Cheryl's like, okay, I don't think we have a choice in this. Yeah. It's not like Tyrion's going to be merciful to us. Yeah, and... And then Larry brings up as a counterpoint... Oh, he didn't actually kill Joffrey. Which, but he still killed your father, and he's still fighting with Danny. And he's like, kind of has every reason to not think that you'll be merciful to him at this point. <laughs> yeah, so... I don't, I don't know. But then she basically just says, like, okay, we either fight and die or we submit and die. And I would rather do the former. Which, which good point. I mean, okay. Yeah, like, you might as well try not to die, and, right? Okay, so, like, another thing they mentioned about Elena, like, basically to convince Cheryl that he's telling the truth about how she killed Joffrey. He's talking about how, like, Elena was the true ruler of the Seven Kingdoms at one point. What? No, <laughs> because oh, killing... Killing Joffrey, that Tommen would be king, and Marjorie would marry Tommen, which would mean that Elena would be the true ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. That's what he said. That's nice, but how is this relevant? And also, how was that in evidence at all? <laughs> Especially because, like, Kevin was there running things, and uh, whatever. <laughs> this is just not worth it. But, yeah, so the conversation ends where Cheryl's like, dude, you're the soldier, aren't yeah. you? Like... We should fight. What the fuck, dude? She shames yeah. him. It's not, it's not very nice. She's not a very good girlfriend. <laughs> you mean sister. Then, all of a sudden, we cut to Bronn luring Larry. 
I'm sorry. It's just this is just so random. Like when you're not watching the scenes with Tyrion in it, this stuff just happens, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay. So Bronn is like leading Larry into the dungeons, and Larry's like, ah, why are we training now? I have things. Yeah, because it was all about like his like pretext is like we're gonna go train because you suck and at Bron's fighting. Like. <laughs> yeah, they're, why are they just walking around swinging? Well, they're turn- there's like it's a sparring sword, so that kind of makes sense, yeah. I guess. But, uh, and then Brock just goes, don't kill me. And then it's, oh, it's Tyrion. Oh my gosh. And, oh my gosh. Do you remember all the shenanigans to get Tyrion there? Oh, shenanigans. Oh, no. I don't want to <laughs> think about it. And Larry's just like, I'm angry with you. You killed father. And then, like, Tyrion starts going on about how their father was, like, I mean, like, yeah, their father was really mean to him. <laughs> That's true. But I don't and, know. And he apparently killed him because he was mad about the kangaroo court. Yeah. Where he would have died. Because here's the thing. They kind of erased Tyrion's motivation for why he killed Tywin. They erased it in the show to begin with. And now they've erased... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His old motivation was that Tywin was sleeping with Shay. Right? He fucked the woman I loved. That's what he said in season five. And now that they've just, like, gotten rid of that. Now it's like, well, he was ableist and he was going to have me killed just because he hated what I was. And Larry's like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) I don't, you didn't have to kill yeah. him. You could have just escaped. I was setting you free. You could have just left. <laughs> but seriously, though. <laughs> and then Tyrion's like, no, wait, I'm here because Danny wants a truce. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't elaborate on that yeah. at all. And then we cut to Larry talking to Cheryl. And Kyburn's there for some reason. Yeah. Again. Well, because he is the hand of the like, queen. There's like three scenes where it's just Kyburn's there for the first four seconds. Yeah. Well, he's the hand of the queen. He's got shit to do and he's got to talk to the queen about it. Well, actually, yeah, Larry's like, what are you doing? And she's like, he's the hand. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm talking to him. Um, and he's like, oh, I met with Tyrion. She's like, okay. Yeah. And she already okay. knew about it, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's, th- that's revealed a little bit later. But Larry, uh, basically sums up like, um, they want to arrange an armistice mm-hmm. because they say that there's, dead things. Yeah. And, and like when they, at the negotiation, Tyrion will have proof. And she just kind of shrugs. Yeah, and she's just like, she's are you skeptic. going to punish Bronn? Because <laughs> he betrayed mm-hmm. you. And she's like, no. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm not happy about this. You know, I, I would prefer that this wasn't happening, but at the same time, you know, if they're offering this, we're fucked otherwise, yeah. so let's we could hear this out. Uh, and then she's like, but, you know, we'll defeat them in the end or something. No, because she's, she, Cherry, are what? What are Cherry? (laughs) What? Cherry are having a Cherry mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's, like, really clumsy the way she brings it up. She's just kind of like, don't worry. Like, we'll defeat them, you know, for us and for this. this." (laughs) And she, like, pats her tongue. And I'm sorry, it's just, like, they do this, like, extreme close-up of her face, and she's all, like, happy crying. And you're like, whoa! And he's, like, like, the last airbender. And he's like, who are you gonna say it is? She's like, yours. And then, like, they're all happy and hug, but she's like, but don't ever betray me again. How did he betray her? I don't know. He went right to her after this meeting. I mean, I guess he should have killed Tyrion right there. I don't know. I mean, I think that's showing that Cheryl's irrational, and she's a villain. Actually, though? Maybe? Because what other reason would she have for saying this? Because we're supposed to think that Larry betrayed her. Bronn betrayed Larry. Did he even do that, though? 
I guess. No, no one betrayed anyone. They just had a conversation. And it's a conversation that Cheryl apparently, like, wanted to have happen. So I mean, that's it, this is literally her only way out of this shitstorm. Yeah. yeah. So don't betray her, Larry. Just don't do it. And yes, that takes us to the end of East Watch by the Sea, as well as a very awkward jump cut into just me, Kylie High, talking in an outro from the future. Uh, yep. As always, Julie and I forgot to record an outro for this and then ran out of time to record one together. We will hopefully record an outro and intro for part two together so that we can talk about how we felt about it, the cherry bomb retrospective, that is, and how it ended up. So part two is going to cover uh, all of the wonderful dragon and the wolf as action-packed as that white moot is, as well as our very detailed and not at all circular analysis we tried we tried i just know we got caught like tripped up kind trying to figure out how to reconcile cheryl's scripting this year um however i think the end result that being the written form of the retrospective really came out well so we do thank you for your patience with us hopefully you do find our raw conversations as enjoyable as we find recording them um, just to let you know, the part two of this podcast is going to be in our feed next week, probably. And then after that, Julia and I are trying to organize a Game of Thrones rewatch project. We don't know exactly what form that's going to take, but we think we're going to be doing a podcast for each season, at least. Um, and then likely a sort of conversational style piece like we do for the Star Wars rewatches uh, for each episode. And that would probably be done on a weekly basis because guess what? There's over a year worth. Oh no, we'd just be doing seasons one through four, but that would be 40 weeks, almost a year's worth of episodes. And it's going to be back in 2019. So we have to prepare for that now. But yeah, in the meantime, please check out the cherry bomb or should I say ch-ch-ch-cherry bomb retrospective. I don't know why this amuses me so much. <laughs> In, uh, on thefandamentals.com, you can also check there for our most recent writing. I know Julia just released a piece ranking the Game of Thrones climaxes and, you know, the oh my gosh penultimate episode moments, um, or just oh my gosh moments of the season that they planned everything around, basically. So yeah, uh, definitely check that out. If you like this podcast, then, you know, subscribe and recommend us to others and drop us a rating and review. We very much appreciate that. And otherwise, Julia and I will talk to you next time. Thanks and bye. Bitches to the south come to the west. Small folks say I blew up the set. But no one cares anymore about the blast What gives two shits about opening sass? Hello, Danny! Hello, John! Where your cherry bomb? We handle our truces with much aplomb! Where your cherry bomb? Brother, sister, love, and pirates too They'll never let the dark racket get to Causing battlefield blues But our army's good for fighting So we'll never lose Hello, Danny Hello, John Where your Cherry bomb
some style Free from the yoke of superstition You can't smile We'll give you something to fight for Protect our lands from the foreign whore Hello, Danny Hello, John We're your Jerry Bob We handle our truth with much aplomb We're your Jerry Bob Enemies to the east, enemies to the south, and Arya Sand and her brood of bitches. Enemies to the west. Olena, the old cunt, another traitor. Enemies to the north. Ned Stark's bastard has been named king in the north, and that murdering whore Sansa stands beside him. Enemies everywhere were surrounded by traitors.